the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, Central Arkansas. This is Ken Yang, guest hosting for the legendary Dave Ellswick while he is away. Um, man, it, I was telling Heidi, it is, I don't know how they do this every morning. It is way too early, if you know me. I'm not a morning person, usually Dave. I'm guest hosting with Dave. He has to be the one to wake me up. But we have a, uh, a full schedule today. Uh, we got... Um, We'll have Judge Chris Carnahan on. I think he's on the phone. I'll introduce him in here in a minute. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, Representative, State Representative David Ray will join me for the rest of the show. Then uh, we'll have uh, J.D. McGee or Jason McGee, as some of y'all know him, with Americans for Prosperity. And then uh, <clears throat> at the uh, bottom of the hour, at the 730, uh, we'll have uh, none other than uh, Ken Cuccinelli uh, joining us on the radio. And then we'll return at 9 uh, May. Mayor Caleb Norris of Maumelle will join me in studio. So a lot of good guests today. Uh, and so we'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, Judge Chris Carnahan, who is running for Arkansas Supreme Court, should be on the line. Good morning, Judge. Good morning, Ken. How are you this morning? Oh, I, I can say it is way too early. I know you're uh, probably on the road another long campaign day, so I appreciate you joining us. Well, it, it was. I, I got in about eleven o'clock from El Dorado last night back to Conway, and so uh, the next thirty four, thirty five days are going to be like this, I think. But it's. it's uh, I'm going to be the happy campaign. Yes, yes. The beauty of a of a statewide campaign. I've been there. Uh, been there before too. Early mornings. Uh, people say early mornings, late nights. I say early mornings early mornings that's what it is it's from early morning to early morning so um well uh it's i know you've been on before but before we get into your race for supreme court why don't you remind the listeners of uh you know just a little bit about yourself and who you are judge well um of course i'm judge chris carnahan i, I live in conway at, uh in faulkner in van buren county is is where my district court uh happens and small towns from Guy to Damascus to our bigger city in Conway. Um, and so I've been doing that for the last several years. Prior to that, I was a appointed circuit judge um, here in uh, the 20th Judicial District. And before that, I'd been a deputy prosecutor in western and north central Arkansas, as well as a small town attorney, um, handling disputes between neighbors and sometimes in between family members and all that kind of mess. But um and uh, and kind of a varied legal practice, but the uh, uh, really enjoyed it. Before that, back in the dark ages, I used to be the executive director of the Republican Party of Arkansas, and 
have spent my time since that uh, being involved in my community, whether it's um, trying to participate in the men's court, which for some reason I, I'm, this this campaign keeps getting in the way from me going to practice, but uh, uh, or being an, an election commissioner here for the Faulkner County Republican Party, um, I enjoyed that service back in I think it was 2014. Uh, so I've done you know various things involved in church, all that. Uh, I got a little boy that I love greatly and. Um, just uh, enjoy being an Arkansan. I think I could probably live or work anywhere in uh, the United States and in some parts of the world, but I've, I've chosen to stay and remain here in, in Arkansas and uh, hope to uh, get a chance to continue serving uh, not only my community but the rest of the state if the voters will vote for me on November the 8th. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'll add on to that. I know it's uh, technically a nonpartisan race, but as just Carnahan mentioned, he's the former ED of the uh, Republican Party of Arkansas. And, you know, during a time where it wasn't cool to be a Republican, so that should speak for itself. And I know he's been active with the Faulkner County Republican Committee. I've known uh, Judge Carnahan for uh, a few years now. If you haven't met him in person, he will tower over you um, <clears throat> quickly, but uh, uh, he's, you know, I am the Saline County GOP chair, so if you're wanting to hear Judge Carnahan, he'll be in Saline County uh, this Thursday at 630 uh, to, to speak to our group in Benton, Arkansas. But let's get into your race. You're running for su- Supreme Court. For those of the listeners who heard Judge Carnahan earlier this year, you might be wondering, well, I thought that race was, I thought that race was uh, uh, finished in May, but uh, you know, unfortunately, it was a three- way race and no one got 50 plus one which means we go into a, a judicial runoff which happens now in November and so um, you know I will just say and Judge Carnahan can kind of speak to this himself um, you know we need more conservative judges on uh, our Supreme Court I believe uh, Judge Carnahan is just that and uh, prior to Judge Carnahan announcing for Supreme Court he traveled the state talking about being a originalist judge and as conservatives you know that's something I think most conservatives agree on is we want originalist judge we want judges that will interpret the Constitution properly in a conservative fashion and not legislate uh, legislate from the bench but uh, um, that's me kind of digressing and you know I'm, I'm full-fledged supporting Judge Carnahan if you can't tell uh, already and uh, the Republican Party of Arkansas has already endorsed Judge Carnahan uh, the Saline County GOP I believe will follow suit here uh, uh, soon but most of the G- local GOPs already support Judge Carnahan but uh, tell a little bit you know why, why, why should people why should people vote for Judge Chris Carnahan for Arkansas Supreme Court? Well, you know, despite despite those those partisan endorsements, basically my call to action for our state Supreme Court is to keep the state Supreme Court out of political discussions. In other words, we have branches of government, our legislative branch and our executive branch, that come up with ideas that uh, need to have a good political discussion by our elected representatives. Um, and, and to have a good execution of those by, by the executive branch. Um, and to some degree, even the executive branch has some limited rulemaking authority that the legislature grants it. But ultimately, if it's a political question about whether something's a good idea or a bad idea, it's not really up for the court, in my view, to come down one way or another um, on that kind of a fight. The role of a judge or a justice 
should be um, an, an analysis of, like, say, a statute or something like that. Uh, the first consideration is is someone, or is someone or some group or business's rights being violated uh, by a statute. And if there is no constitutional violation, generally those statutes should be presumed to be constitutional, and the court needs to probably stay out of, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Basically, my, my, my argument and my appeal to uh, the state is I'm not going to go in there with a with my personal opinion sitting on, on my shoulder. I think there's a difference between that, between me and my opponent, if you look at uh, some of the decisions that, that he's authored or, or, or come down on some cases that I think were wrongly decided. But, the uh, you know, generally... We just need to stay out as the courts from getting involved in political fights. Let let the branches that the the Constitution set up to handle that work, and that's what I want. I want our republic here in Arkansas to work. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I, I was just about to you know ask you know and you kind of go into it about how how you would interpret law. In your judicial philosophy, I'm looking at the, you know, for those listeners, uh, I think this speaks for itself, uh, for those listeners uh, that, uh, uh, you know, follow uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, one of the questions on the Arkansas Voters Guide um, that uh, Judge Carnahan uh, filled out that uh, his opponent did not is, which one of the current U.S. Supreme Court justices most reflects your judicial philosophy? And Judge Carnahan answered uh, uh, U.S. Justice uh, Clarence Thomas. So that should speak uh, for itself. So, you know, um, as a judge, you know, how, how do you balance competing interests you know, more than one set of when when more than one set of rights are at stake. Well, um, you know, what you have to do, in my view, is you've got to look at what the law says. And um, uh, you know, if you can get to something where there is some room for for an equitable discussion about which side should wind up coming or prevailing, I can tell you generally what I found, uh, especially when I was a circuit judge. Most cases, when they wind up actually going to trial before the before a judge or a jury, you don't have a clear 100% winner both ways. Um, the, not everybody's all wrong, and usually not everybody's all right when the facts are put up to analysis uh, against the law. So you've, you've just got to make sure that you try to do right in those cases, that you follow the facts and the evidence that's presented, you don't bring in outside stuff, and you leave it right there um, in front of what's been heard in the courtroom. And sometimes that that leads to results that that people who only get a, maybe a snippet on the on the front page of the dim dim gas, you know, they've got those little um, briefs about what happened that are you know twenty or thirty words long. Yeah, you can't get into a very reasoned discussion about everything that happened in, inside of the case. But but I, but I can tell you this um, as a circuit judge. The, the, the only time I believe I was overturned was on a question on which there had been no precedent set or anything like that. I've tried to stay within the bounds of what I know that the, uh, the, the law is and try to adjust the facts of the case in order to make sure that they comply with what the rulings and precedent of the uh, prior, prior Supreme Court rulings were. 
Yeah, I mean that it, it's it's just you know for me it's just personally you know good to hear uh, that there's someone running uh, for Supreme Court. Uh, there's someone that's already a sitting judge that wants to you know abide by the checks and balances put together by our founders with the three branches of government. Um, you know, and, and too often you know as conservatives i feel like um we just have a lot of activist judges judges that legislate from the bench uh, that bring in their own uh political uh beliefs as you're saying making it way more partisan uh than what it uh what it should be so so it's nice you know it's nice to know that you know we got good people like you judge that that's running for uh um for the highest court in our state well, thank, thank you, and I hope hope your listeners and the voters of Arkansas agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's. Uh, we're about to uh, take a take a short break here, and when we come back, let's delve more into your campaign, how people can help you, and research you and whatnot. Uh, if you if you'll be willing to stay with us for one more segment. Sure, sounds great, kid. Okay, we'll be right back with the Dave Ellswick show after this short break. We are back with the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang, guest hosting this morning for the legendary Dave Ellswick. For those of you that are new listeners or just listening in today, not hearing Dave's voice, I am the chairman of the Saline County GOP, also the chair of the chairs for the Republican Party of Arkansas, and uh, I do run American Dream Strategies, my consulting firm, where we get to conservative candidates uh, elected. But this morning we have Judge Chris Carnahan, who is uh, uh, on the line with us, who is, is currently a district judge and running for for Arkansas uh, Supreme Court. I mentioned we delve a little bit more into uh, your campaign. I know you're traveling a lot, uh, going around the state. It's not a sexy race. How, I mean, how, how can people help you? What can, where can people go uh, to, to look you up if they want to know more? Well, uh, of course, we've got Carnahan or ARC, uh, C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N. Uh, my, my last name, CarnahanForArc.com, is the website, that uh, you can volunteer, donate, um, do whatever you need to on that page. That, of course, it's 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 a non-biased look at my race since I put it together. Of course, <laughs> so, but um, with that, uh, I know I'll be out on the. I'll be in Arkadelphia at the Fourth uh, Congressional District uh, Republican fundraiser there for uh, Clark County, and I'm looking forward to hearing Senator Cotton tonight. Uh, so if you're if you're down around Arky Duck today, I'll uh, see you see you there tonight. But um, uh, probably Carnahan for Arks the best way, or Post Office Box 1411. Conway, Arkansas, 72033 is also a good way to get a hold of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for those of you that wants want wants to meet the judge and wants, in my opinion, wants to meet the next Arkansas Supreme Court judge here uh, uh, in the state of Arkansas, yes, Clark, Clark County would be a, a great place to do so. They have their Lincoln Day dinner tonight in Arkadelphia. And then, as I mentioned, in Benton, if you're in Saline County, you'll be speaking to the Saline County GOP at 630. That's in downtown Benton. We got our headquarters there, and uh, you know, uh, for those, you know, usually you have politicians that ask uh, 
uh, for money, but uh, here in the state of Arkansas, judicial candidates cannot flat out uh, ask you for money. So I'll do it for those that are listening. You know, he mentioned going to Carnahan for Ark. There is dot com. There is a donate button. You can hit that donate button. It'll take you to a page where you can make a, a monetary contribution to help uh, uh, to help Judge Carnahan. I often tell people we have listeners and and activists that complain about our judicial system. Well, now if you're going to complain about our judicial system, now it's time to take put your money where your mouth is and go to CarnahanForArc.com, make a donation to conservative judge Chris Carnahan and make sure that he beats his liberal uh, opponent here in November and vote for him. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add, uh, uh, Judge, before I let you go? I know you got a busy morning. I think you said you're going to be uh, uh, on another show uh, here in Arkansas, so I don't want to keep you... Yeah, it's in North Arkansas, out of Searcy County, actually, here in about 30 minutes. But I think if you look, you know, probably people don't know enough about judges and all that. Yes. Uh, I would recommend that one thing, I think, is is what you do in private also winds up being an important thing when you're an attorney. Amen. Um, You behave in your practice. And there's a clear difference between myself and Justice Wynn. I've never been cited for bad faith. Justice Wynn has. Um, I've never been told that I'm untrustworthy by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in my work as a lawyer. Justice Wynn has, and there's uh, you know two two individuals at least uh, out of the Dallas County when he was deputy prosecutor that spent 40 years and 40 years on the taxpayer dole in prison for crimes they didn't commit because he destroyed evidence. I think if y'all want to look at the Jimerson and Brown case, uh, it's something that's very telling. It's very troubling. Uh, that anyone would uh, do something like uh, Justice Wynn did when he was a prosecutor. And the only way that you're going to know, the only way you can do anything about it, because there's been no action against him by the Professional Responsibility Committee, um, is uh, to to decide whether or not bad behavior deserves a second term in the Arkansas Supreme Court. Definitely, definitely. Well, that's that's good information for people to know because there is a clear contrasting difference between you, Judge Carnahan, and your opponent, Justice Wynn. I, th- I think it, I think uh, I truly believe it. It's it's night and day. <clears throat> and uh, you know, listeners, you need to know that you need to tell your friends of friends how how important how important this race is. So re- <clears throat> remind people one more time where uh, uh, they can uh, go uh, research you, help you, and uh, um, hopefully make a financial contribution, as I mentioned, since I'm asking for you. Well, go to CarnahanForArc.com, and if not, I'm sure I will see you somewhere close to your community, and I'd love to talk with you. Sounds good. Well, appreciate Judge, uh, for coming on this early in the morning, and uh, I will see you on Thursday. Thanks again. See you Thursday. No problem. <clears throat> that was uh, Judge Chris Carnahan with us this uh, this morning. You know, it, it's just real simple. You know, I, I, obviously, I'm very, 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 very partisan. Uh, that's no uh, a surprise to to the listeners. But you know, the Arkansas Voters Guide has three questions: which U.S. Supreme Court reflects your uh, judicial philosophy? Which U.S. president accurately f- reflects your political philosophy? <clears throat> And which political party platform most closely reflects your views on public policy? Well, the first question Judge Carnahan answers Justice Clarence Thomas, 
which I think is a great choice. Other Clarence Thomas or Neil Gorsuch, in my opinion, would be a great choice. Most recent U.S. president, he says President Donald Trump. Uh, accurately reflects his uh, political philosophy, which I believe most of, of the listeners would agree that is a great answer. And then, uh, which political party or platform most closely reflects your views on policy? He said uh, Republican, <clears throat> and I think most of the listeners would agree that is a good thing. So he answered all the questions correctly, but not only did he answer all the questions correctly, I've known Judge Carnahan for years, and he didn't just answer these questions correctly. That is who he is. He is, he is a very honest honest man. He is a, a honest uh, a judge. Um, he's an originalist judge, as you heard him, of how he would uh, interpret uh, interpret the law and interpret cases. And he's really what we need for uh, the Arkansas uh, Arkansas Supreme Court. As you know, as I mentioned, <clears throat> as I mentioned before, I hear as I tra- as I travel the state, I hear a lot of people complain about activist judges, judges, uh, you know, not doing that. So just, just as we don't want liberal activist judges, we wouldn't want to have conservative. Uh, I guess a Republican activist judges. We want judges that you know, because since we are conservative, we believe in checks and balances and the separate you know, branches of government. So we want someone like Judge Carnahan, who's an originalist, who is conservative, who is fair, who is honest. Everything that his opponent, Justice Wynn, is not, who is a liberal, who is dishonest, and who is an activist judge, and it, it, it shows. All the time and uh, in his ruling. So go to remember Judge Judge Chris Harnan for Supreme Court. With the bottom of the hour, here's news. Hello, oh, this is <laughs> I got caught off guard there, Heidi. Uh, I was not paying attention. This is Ken Yang with the Dave Ellswick Show. We are back this morning. That was the worst segue ever. Excuse me for all of that, but. Um, this is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick. We have in studio now State Representative David Ray, who y'all have heard, I think, a lot already. He is in high demand. If you follow him on Twitter, on social media, he is just on a roll. Uh, good morning, uh, David. Thank you for being in with me this morning. Hey, good morning, Ken. Uh, glad to be with you. Back on the show. Yeah, I think I said I asked first. So for all those people that he had, that had him on the show, uh, I asked a long time ago. So that's what makes me feel better since he's in such high demand. But uh, 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 but he's doing a lot. And then on the radio, we have with us Jason McGee, or most of us know him as J.D. McGee, who is now with Americans for Prosperity here in Arkansas. Good morning, J.D. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, David. There is nowhere I would rather be with, uh, than here with you guys this morning. You're a great liar, J.D. <laughs> but thank you for joining us on the line. We all we all uh, uh, do not do not like the morning, uh, but I appreciate you, uh, uh, J.D., for uh, coming on because I think with the work that Americans for Prosperity does is really important. But for those listeners uh, uh, who do not know J.D., uh, many of y'all do. But J.D. Uh, was formerly had worked for uh, Congressman uh, uh, French Hill. And then he uh, later transitioned to 
to be the district director for Congressman Westerman in the 4th Congressional District and only recently left to uh, go work at Americans uh, uh, for, for, for Prosperity. So tell a little bit, uh, if you want to add to that, feel free to add to that, but tell a little bit about, uh, you know, what uh, Americans for Prosperity stands for and what, are your, what y'all are up to these days. Sure, Ken. Uh, so as you just said, I spent uh, some time with Congressman Bruce Westerman and then also worked for uh, Congressman Tim Griffin uh, for a number of years. What excited me, what excites me about the work that Americans for Prosperity is doing is our, our belief that uh, as a network, as an organization, we break barriers that stand in the way of people uh, reaching or realizing their, their, their full potential. Um, we believe in a society that, that is a mutual benefit where people succeed by helping others uh, improve their lives. Uh, this is the most creative space I've ever worked in, the most innovative space I've ever worked in, uh, because we're focused on looking at the landscape of the day and seeing how we can we can challenge and change the problems that are uh, that are causing people to not be to not reach that 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 uh, that that success, not be not be successful, not succeed. And uh, that's what that's that's the mission and vision that I go into work every day with. It's looking at the landscape of problems facing Arkansans and finding, trying to find those creative and innovative solutions uh, that allow people to live uh, a more free and uh, more uh, re- re- reduced burden on their lives. And that's that's the that's the empowering mission that uh, I find so creative about this new space of what uh, eight months uh, that I've been in meeting folks all across the state. We've had some pretty interesting events uh, across the, the state, but that's that's what's very impactful to me. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, you've been, I've seen you traveling across the state. Y'all have had some really, uh, uh, fun events getting, uh, communities that, uh, you know, y'all are technically nonpartisan. So communities that, uh, you know, the Republican Party or the Democrat Party or whatever doesn't really get into and the American prosperity comes in. You know, y'all had some, uh, uh, gas day events where y'all partner with local gas stations to lower the gas prices during this, uh, uh Biden inflation time. Uh, you know, t- finance classes, things of that sort, just partnering with local communities to hit, to empower uh, people, whether it's the younger generation or even the working class, the current generation, uh, to to be to have financial freedom. Kent, that is so important. Uh, as a chapter here in Arkansas of AFP, um, it's our hope to lead in, in really an awakening of of values and principles. Uh, that lead to what you just said, people transforming their lives. Uh, we are singularly focused on that, uh, the transformation of people in their lives and as we advance liberty. And uh, there is no greater calling that we have in, as, as an organization uh, than to, to do that work through education and uh, really removing the barriers that stand in the way of uh, people. We are community engagers. We are getting out all across the state of Arkansas, engaging with communities. Uh, you may you've heard about the True Cost of Washington series that we did. 
Uh, we've been all over the state with that. Uh, we've been to uh, Pine Bluff. We have a true cost of Washington barbershop event. It was called uh, 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 Cut uh, Haircuts at Pops, Pops Barbershop. Uh, pretty, we had over uh, 150 folks come out. Uh, we engaged the community. We've held gas station events. Uh, dropping the price of gas to two dollars and thirty-eight cents, what it was in January of two thousand twenty-one, and uh, we know that some of that is some temporary relief. But Ken and Dave, we heard stories all over the state of people who uh, had not been able to fill up gas, uh, the gas in their car. We heard stories of folks cutting back. We heard folks of uh, stories of folks having to make uh, critical decisions. And now we've rolled out uh, the GAT, the uh, grocery store uh, edition of that, which has been highly successful. J.D., I know a lot of so much of what goes into people's lives comes down to personal responsibility and, and decisions that they make in terms of upward mobility and economic progress and things like that. But obviously, uh, government policies do have an impact uh, in terms of creating barriers to opportunity for people. When, when you think of government policies that are getting in the way in our current climate, what, what are the sorts of things that y'all are focused on at AFP? Well, David, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, at AFP, at Americans for Prosperity, uh, our focus is to impact the institution of government. And we do that by uh, advancing, uh, looking at the landscape in our government, in our state government, looking at policies uh, that are not helpful to citizens. Some of that policy that we've uh, found is uh, some of the tax policies. Uh, we're looking at, uh, at, at tax policies that, that do not uh, fiscal responsibility. Uh, we're looking at uh, those, some of those economic opportunity indicators, reducing taxes. Um, we're looking at all of those things to see how we can transform people's lives because it does have to be an individual uh, uh, individual pursuit of how we improve economic economic opportunity for our Kansas. So we're we're constantly in a phase of uh, going through the year of looking at looking at laws, looking at things that can be changed, things that can be enacted uh, that ultimately improve uh, folks' lives. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to delve just a little bit into, you know, we, we talked about helping folks, personal responsibility also for folks, and you, you briefly alluded to it. But I just think it's such a good program, like you mentioned, the the, the barbershop stuff, the gas prices mm-hmm. stuff. And so you mentioned that you are about to do a grocery store type version of it. You know, delve a little bit more into for you know, for those listeners, you know, we're kind of speaking in more uh, broad terms. For But for those listeners, you know, as I mentioned, the whole gas thing is they partner with the gas stations, lower gas prices, help people mm-hmm. put gas in their gas tank. So what does that look like on the grocery store level uh, that you are now? going to implement here in, here in the state i want to say one more thing on the economic opportunity yeah go ahead before i go into the uh, the uh, grocery store yeah uh, tax tax reform arkansas as a state we should be more fiscally responsible by limiting wasteful spending and protecting taxpayers uh hard hard-earned dollars that's number one uh, number two, we uh, we focused on uh, occupational licensing reform in the state, uh, overburdensome licensing requirements, 
has served as a barrier to folks uh, entering a profession or the workforce. And number three, we want to reduce, reduce as much red tape as possible in government uh, that is impact, significantly impacting uh, Arkansas families. Uh, so on the, on the issue of economic opportunity, uh, great question by David. I want to make sure I hit those three things. Yes. Now, we're talking about the true cost of Washington series that we've been doing for some time over the summer. What we found, what our data suggests, is that folks have been hit hard by inflation, significantly hard. I think we've got a metric that says that, on average, American families have uh, been hit by over $460-plus a month and additional um, additional inflation, wow. that's the cost. Mm. And so we're doing these true cost of Washington events. Uh, like I said earlier, we know that they're temporary relief, but we're going out and showing the the, the, the impacts of uh, inflation. So two weeks ago, we were out at Allen's, and, uh, Allen's uh, Food Mart in uh, Bella Vista, and we held a uh, true cost of Washington grocery store event. And I want to give you guys a just a just a stunning metric from that event. We provided fifty dollars worth of gift cards uh, to families for households at that event because to provide that little bit of relief. We had two hours slated for that event, right, guys? Two hours slated for that event. We passed out one hundred and fifty gift cards. Folks in Bella Vista up at the Allen's Food Mart in less than an hour. That's incredible. Inflation, inflation is significantly impacting Arkansans like all Americans. And we're coming up with creative solutions to show that impact that we're having, but also to show the impact that the negative impact that inflation is having. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to I talk to mothers and and families, and even myself going to the grocery store. Where used to you, you know, you buy your week's groceries and whatnot, and they say, you know, they're spending what they used to would spend for a week's groceries, and they're purchasing you know food for two or three days. You know, it's not it's yeah. not making it through the week. Yeah. And uh, I know for, you know, for family, I mean, people are having to make decisions on, uh, you know, do I get this today or do I wait or do I try to catch this on, you know, all types of uh, inflation related decisions. And ultimately, Washington, D.C., our leaders in Washington, D.C., uh, need to address uh, wasteful spending, unleash our, unleash our innovation, energy abundance, and we need to reignite innovation in this country. But it, the definitely the events that we're hosting across the state, we can see the impact of uh, Arkansans tremendously. Yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, I think you're right. So, you know, we're about to go on a break here, uh, I believe, you know, if I get Heidi's, Heidi's attention. Um, but uh, when we come back, yeah, I know you wanted to talk about uh, the open house that y'all have coming up, uh, some of, some other events, and maybe uh, get maybe tell us where you're where you're going to be at in Arkansas next and the call to action. So we'll be back here shortly with uh, JD McGee with Americans for Prosperity right after the break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang, joined by State Representative David Ray, and on the line, J.D. McGee for Americans for Prosperity. I know Representative Ray had a quick question uh, that he wanted to ask you. 
JD, as we're talking about um, these true cost to Washington events and the the work mm-hmm. that y'all are doing at the gas stations and the grocery stores, I mean, I know people. Let me ask you this: I know people feel the effects of inflation. They see the cost of eggs and milk and groceries and gas and everything going up. But in your opinion, do you do you think that they're understanding what's causing the inflation? Because you know, Milton Friedman, who's uh, one of my favorite economists of all time, has this famous quote that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do, do you think people are getting it that Washington's just complete out-of-control spending has led us to where we are, at least in, in large part? David, that's a great question. And uh, over the course of, uh, of, of traveling the state and conducting these events, uh, we have heard over and over uh, folks tell us that that Washington needs to get their act together, that our leaders need to get focused on improving the lives of everyday people. Uh, we have heard time and time again that uh, uh, finances are stretched, inflation is high. Uh, I think it's resonating to people that, uh, you know, uh, gas prices, when they, when they were extremely high, high gas prices, high grocery uh, prices. I think all that is connecting with people that our leaders in Washington are, are, are not taking care of the people. Uh, wasteful spending and inflation are the uh, symptoms of that, of that issue. So we heard it all over the, all over the, uh, all over the, all over the state. We heard the stories of people just, just, uh, I mean, some folks, you know, bowed in tears, and and uh, we heard from folks who, uh, one guy who was, you know, uh, who fills up his work truck, you know, works for himself twice a week, um, and then how much a little bit of that relief was to him. Uh, we heard from people who were, you know, just making ends meet, and they need some relief. They need Washington to 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 curb and end the wasteful spending uh so it was it was it was good to hear uh different voices you know in cross it and Pine bluff and north little rock and fort smith it was good to travel around and, and, and hear and see um folks um recognize the uh, inflation issue and then the impact of uh, washington on that issue that's that's a great question david no that's good i I, i'm glad i know people are hurting uh we see it every day i just hope they're making the connection and and understand that you know this inflation didn't happen by accident it's being caused by bad policies uh largely coming out of washington and david what's so good about what you just said when you asked me that question i started to see the faces of people i interviewed or talked to in those different locations uh, who've been hard hit, and that's what was so stunning. When you asked that question, I started to see all these faces popped up of people we talked to, um, who were were out there for that temporary relief, but ultimately they're looking for a long term solution from Washington. Yeah, definitely. And when we say Washington, actually, as when I say Washington, I don't want to put words in AFP's mouths are not part. When I say Washington, that means Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the liberal Democrats and their bad policies uh, uh, that they're implementing on Americans. So we got a couple more minutes. Tell us about uh, this uh, AFP open house and also uh, your call to action. 
Great. So we've got a couple of events coming up. I'll hit a, hit one or two, and then uh, the Arkansas chapter is ho- hosting our open house event. It's going to be October 13th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. It's going to be at the uh, AFP office over on 11300 Rodney Parham, the suite, 30, suite 205. It's going to be an opportunity to meet our team. We're going to bring in our, our statewide team. We're going to uh, focus on, we're going to tell people about our priorities, our upcoming priorities. And uh, we also want to tell, ask people how they can help AFP, how can AFP help them. Uh, it's going to be an op- opportunity to share with some of our, uh, some of our uh, leaders in the organization. Uh, so it's going to be a really good time for folks who want to get involved, who want to volunteer, who want to know more about what we do at AFP Arkansas as a chapter uh, and how we bring that vision to focus of empowering people to break barriers, uh, to improve, to realize their potential, really. That's what it comes down to. Okay. Tell us the day and time one more time on that again, J.D. October the 13th through, let's see, 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. October 13th, 6 p.m., to 7.30 p.m. Uh, that's going to be at the AFP Arkansas off, uh, office on Rodney Parham. Uh, also, this week, we're hosting uh, a Policy and Pints event. That's going to be October the 6th, uh, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Policy and Pints is the time for folks to come out and uh, let us know how they feel about policy. And that's going to be over at the uh, Flying Saucer. And then... Um, we're always looking for uh, folks to volunteer. We're always looking uh, for uh, interns. Uh, we're always looking for folks to help out in this in this uh, this work that we are doing. Um, I think we're probably one of the most creative and innovative organizations that is addressing some of the major issues that are impacting Arkansans and folks all around the country. And we're looking for uh, volunteers. Yeah, where can people where can people sign up to go uh, volunteer? JD, give give a website real quick. Sure. So, uh, believe in Arkansas. The first believeinarkansas.com dot com is our policy website. I folks, I want folks to go there to see all the policy issues and the legislative issues that we're we're working on. Also, uh, we ha- we can, they can email us at infoar at afphq dot org. That's info, A-R, at A-F-P-H-Q dot O-R-G. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, much for J.D. for joining us this morning, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. You too. Okay, we'll be back at the top hour on the Dave Elswick Show. be me and David Ray talking a little bit about Arkansas politics.
We are back in the second hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang, guest hosting, get filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick. Here with State Representative David Ray. Uh, tomorrow, if I remember correctly, Nick, my good friend Nick Horton will be on. So uh, Nick Horton will be back on uh, uh, tomorrow to uh, to guest host. But uh, I'm here with State Representative Ray right now. Um, I think you're listening on your drive-in. Uh, to our first interview, Judge Carnahan, you're a state rep, you're a Republican, you're involved in the legislative branch and a, a lot of other things. I mean, what what were what your thoughts on, on Judge Carnahan and, and, and what he had to say? Yeah, well, Ken, I, I did hear that interview. It was a good interview. Um, look, I support Judge Chris Carnahan for the Supreme Court race, and I, I tell people that the, the Supreme Court race in Arkansas is the most important race that you have probably heard very little about. This is because because these candidates for Supreme Court run as nonpartisan. They typically don't attract a lot of the attention that you would see in a yeah. governor's race or in a congressional race or U.S. Senate or what what have you. But you know they can have just as much impact. You know the, the judiciary is obviously an important part of our political system in Arkansas, and the Arkansas Supreme Court's the highest court interstates judiciary um they have expansive powers and responsibilities everything from appellate jurisdiction to judicial review and so uh, people may not think that the supreme court is one of the most important races but it really is and you know judge carnahan outlined something that i really like to hear from judicial candidates which is that um, the law needs to be interpreted as it was written not as he would wish it to be yes and you know look when you when you get a lot of times when you get a liberal activist judge they are very outcomes based they will start with how they think it ought to be which is their personal view and then they'll come up with a legal rationale to justify what their personal view is uh someone like judge carnahan who's you know what i would call strict constructionist um, or originalist. Uh, there's a lot of different terms that get used in this space. Um, but he is someone that starts with, what does the law say? And when you are loyal to what the law says, and that's where you start, you don't always agree with the outcome of the decision. Sometimes you get a decision where you're kind of disappointed in the outcome, but that's the way the law works. You know, the, the, when we uphold the law, um, that leads us to the best possible outcome. And, uh, you know, the other guy in this race, the incumbent, uh, Justice Robin Wynn, you know, he's a liberal judge that deserves to be replaced, in my opinion. Um, you know, I made some I made a little bit of news earlier this year when um, uh, it was covered in the Democrat Gazette. I had uh, called out Judge Judge Wynn for filming a reelection ad in the Supreme Court chamber. Mm, I remember that. Um, which goes against Arkansas statute. Um, and th- there was a complaint filed against him over that. Um, you know, the, these complaints, they move at a snail's pace. So um, one of these days it'll eventually get resolved. But, you know, Judge Wynn has a disturbing history of being soft on crime. There's ruling after ruling after ruling, whether it was, you know, he, he was uh, consistently overturning the, the death penalty convictions yeah. um, several years back when we had that spate of executions. Um, he was part of that. He cast a deciding vote in a very 
um, uh, barbaric and savage case where a um, uh, northwest Arkansas man murdered his six-year-old son in a way that was just so barbaric we can't even talk about it on the radio but um and and that's not to mention that before he was a judge he ran for office as a democrat so you know these races are nonpartisan, um and and what i mean by that is that they don't have a party affiliation on the ballot that's right um but just like with the so-called independent citizens commissions and independent redistricting commissions i mean it's it's sort of kabuki theater to pretend that these people don't have any political views yeah i mean uh, it you know it wasn't until the was it mid late 90s that uh, uh, our judicial races were partisan here in our state and you know here in a state and i've always said this uh, in a state like arkansas where the republicans are the supermajority, i'm a firm believer that the liberals and democrats now go to hide behind municipal races judicial races things that are quote-unquote non-partisan because it can say Oh, that has nothing to do with this. But if you look at people's record, um, it is important. And, I mean, you have time and time again we see rulings on the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court where it is, uh, you know, there's there's seven justices. So there it is, you know, a 5-2 ruling or a 4-3 ruling. Uh, and we, we need help. We need help in the sense of not having liberal activist judges. Uh, on the Arkansas Supreme Court. Yeah, look, if judge this this supreme the reason I say the Supreme Court race is so important is because the balance of the court is basically at stake. I mean, if Judge Carnahan were to prevail, in many instances we would have uh, a majority of people who consistently interpret the law as it was written. Yes. Rather than um, a majority of people who are more outcome based, if you will, uh, more activist judge uh, judicial types. And so that's very important for a host of reasons. You know, you think if you think it's enough to just send a bunch of Republicans to the legislature and elect a Republican governor, that's not true because they can pass they can pass all the great conservative laws in the world, but if the courts can, can consistently strike them down, um, you know, just based on policy preferences rather than the law, um, that's going to thwart the progress that voters elected us to do. That's right. That's right. And we see it, you know, we see it, uh, uh, we, I mean, we've seen it time and time again with this Supreme Court. You know, you something you and I support, uh, you, we just could, you know, just something as simple as tort reform. And uh, if it weren't for the Arkansas Supreme Court and liberal judges from, uh, you know, the 2020s, we'd probably have tort reform in Arkansas. Yeah, and I tell people on the Supreme Court race, you know, so few people will know what these candidates stand for that um, because they run nonpartisan, that it's so important that if you understand who you should vote for and why, that you should tell your friends. Because the, you may think that they know the same thing that you know about the race, but that's probably not true. They don't. We get, you know, when I was at family council, we got, and you know, we got hundreds of calls specifically about judicial races, which is why on the voters guide, you know, we put, you know, just Supreme Court, and people would call about the circuit judge races, the district judge races, but you know, we just didn't have the bandwidth to interview all those people. But they were, you know, but I, I mentioned this morning. 
And for those that you know are just now tuning in, we interviewed Judge Chris Carnahan, who's running for Arkansas Supreme Court, a very important race, and he answered the three questions. Uh, Supreme Court justice you're most aligned to, most recent pres- president you're most aligned to, and political party affiliation you're aligned to when it comes to public policy. The answer was Justice Clarence Thomas, Donald Trump, and the Republican Party. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a conservative, law and order, tough on crime judge. Um, he's endorsed by the Republican Party of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. You know, the candidates do not have a partisan label, but that doesn't prevent the parties from having an opinion That's on right. these types of things. And the uh, Republican Party of Arkansas has taken the step of endorsing Judge Carnahan because yeah. there's such a clear contrast in this race. The other guy is a, a liberal judge who's soft on crime, and he ran for office as a Democrat. So he's he's not exactly made it a secret where his party affiliation yeah. lies. Well, and, he, and, and gun, on, gun owners of Arkansas, uh, you know, the grassroots uh, uh, group here in the state uh, regarding the Second Amendment has also endorsed uh, Judge Carnahan. And so I think you know I just I think those things speak for itself. That's something that Judge Carnahan can't necessarily talk about just because of judicial rules and those those, those things. But uh, um, you know, just it's not a fancy race, not a sexy race, as they would say it, but definitely um, a very very important race uh, for the for public policy here in the state of Arkansas going into the future. No doubt. No so, doubt. well. Um, that is the only judicial race or statewide judicial race uh, on the ballot. Uh, we got four uh, issues that are going to be on the ballot. We got a couple more minutes, and then we'll pivot to talk about more about the issues. But you got issue one. I'll go through it real quick. You got issue one, which is to allow the legislatures to call themselves into session. Uh, right now, only the governor can do that. Once general, the general session is over. Once fiscal session is over, only the governor can do that. Currently, at the time, you got issue two, which that's what we'll focus on when we when we when we go to break and come back um, <clears throat> that's in regards to our ballot initiative process uh, how we amend the constitution and it should be hard to amend the uh, constitution here in the state of Arkansas and then we got uh, issue three which is the religious uh, freedom amendment so you know we already have a religious freedom um Law uh, RIFRA here in the state of Arkansas, but we don't necessarily have an amendment in our constitution, and that will kind of uh, put that into our constitution so that uh, we can make sure that we protect our religious freedom here in the state of Arkansas. You know, something that uh, another another issue that most people don't talk about, but you know, our religious freedom is constantly under attack by the woke left. Uh, you know, when I worked for Family Council, when we passed RIFRA, when we passed the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, it was just so hard, and, and it's going to be even harder going into the future. Then we got issue four, recreational marijuana, where, going, where they are uh, attempting to legalize recreational marijuana here in the state of Arkansas. And as y'all heard uh, last night, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, our next governor of Arkansas, says she's going to vote against the recreational marijuana amendment. So we'll be back shortly after break to talk about issue two with Representative David Ray uh, right after uh, a short break.
We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show this morning. Uh, this is Ken Yang, guest hosting for the legendary Dave Ellswick. He, uh, Dick Horton will be uh, hosting tomorrow, but for, for the time being, State Representative David Ray is with me. And something that, uh, you know, we talk about judicial races not being talked enough about, uh, the issues that you'll vote on amending our Arkansas Constitution often is not talked about enough. Uh, here in the state of Arkansas, and one of the issues that um, I worked on, or I say worked on, but had discussions with State Representative Ray uh, when he was uh, working on it this past session, is what is now issue two uh, that's going to be on your ballot in November. Uh, some of the listeners have heard about it. If you haven't, why don't you tell tell the listeners just quickly what issue two does? Yeah, thank you, Ken. Well, I'm excited about issue two. This is one of the most important things that's going to be on the ballot this November, and our state really needs it. It's the Constitutional Amendment and Ballot Initiative Reform Amendment. So what it would do is very simple. It would increase the passage threshold for these measures from a bare majority, which is 50.1%, up to 60%. And that's needed for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, we shouldn't change our Constitution in this sort of willy-nilly fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, Our federal Constitution, our U.S. Constitution, which we all love and revere, has been amended, as you know, Ken, 27 times in the history of our country. And our state Constitution, which has been around for about 80 years less than the U.S. Constitution, uh, has been amended 102 times and counting. And it's not uncommon for us to amend our Constitution two, three, four, five, even six times in an election cycle. Um, And states that that have this sort of unchecked uh, process, ballot process, where the constitutional amendments go through, states like California, they've become completely ungovernable because people are deciding on literally a dozen uh, measures every fall. And they have tremendous impact on the state. And once they go into your constitution – they're cemented in there. It's almost impossible to change it. Um, so it creates real problems for the state. Uh, the second thing I would point out is that um, Arkansas is a small state. We're a rural state with inexpensive media markets, and we're susceptible to having our lenient ballot access laws hijacked by big out of state, uh, big money out of state interests that want to basically want to hijack our yes. access laws and yes. buy a constitutional amendment. Yep. And you see this particularly, the problem is really acute on the left. Yes. Okay. And the reason for that is, you know, Arkansas has a Republican governor. We're going to have a Republican governor for this foreseeable future. And the same is true of the legislature. It's a supermajority Republican mm-hmm. legislature. So what does that mean? It means that the radical left, they can't get their their issues passed through the legislature so what do you think they do with them yeah they take them yeah they put them in the form of a constitutional amendment or an initiative and they take them to the ballot and it's things like ranked choice voting which we saw impact the alaska house race where sarah palin uh sarah palin had the most votes on the first ballot and then through their rigged ranked choice voting system she lost um yeah she ended up losing and then 
uh, they try. The, so they're going to try and do this with ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. They're going to try and do this with jungle primaries because they don't like that conservatives like me are winning primaries. Mm-hmm. They would, if they can't get a Democrat, they would much rather have a moderate Republican. That's right. Somebody who's going to go along to get along or be squishy on the issues, and so they 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 think they can get that through something like a jungle primary. So they're going to tinker with our election system through this process, and. Issue two would just ensure that when we take the dramatic step, the the significant step of amending our Constitution, that we do so only when there's genuine consensus among the voters. Because they'll come in and spend boatloads of money right before an election to temporarily convince people that something's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I briefly – uh, talked about it uh, last week. Uh, last week when I was on, is is the fact that you know th- it's funny how the people opposing this saying that um, Representative Ray and those supporting this are for special interest and blah 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 blah. Well, it's two things. It's a special interest that are utilizing our uh, weak and loose uh, initiative process that are coming in and paying canvassers and you know, their, our cheap media market, paying canvassers to get on the ballot, uh, uh, being able to utilize this cheap media market and get 50 plus one and get what they want uh, uh, want passed. No, it's a total joke that these initiatives and constitutional amendments that um, that go on the ballot through this process it's a total joke that they're like grassroots efforts that's the that's the canard that the left would want you to believe yeah. is that these are like volunteers going door to door with clipboards getting signatures there are a few volunteers people that do this because they're genuinely motivated by the outcome but almost all of the time here's what happens these these groups these left-wing groups will pay some company like out of colorado and they'll pay them like eight or nine hundred thousand dollars to to organize the ballot access effort or or like 1.5 million or whatever somewhere in that range and then they'll hire canvassers for 20 30 sometimes even 40 dollars an hour and it can be quite lucrative so everyone has this experience where you know you're pumping your gas or you're walking into the double b's or the big red and somebody starts haranguing you with this yeah. clipboard asking you to sign. Yeah. That person's being paid like 40 bucks an hour to get signatures. That's right. Well, and 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 not uh, I'm not And people sign yeah. it. And people sign it but not because they really want the issue but because they want to get that person out of yeah, their face. Yeah, get out of get out of my face. Okay, I signed it and then next time someone comes to me I can say, "Okay, I've already signed it. You know, don't bother me or whatnot. But, you know, it's it's this idea that oh, somehow it's the special interest well, one, it's not. Oh, well We'll have a hard time getting things passed. Well, two points. As we mentioned before, it should be hard to amend the Constitution. But also, there have been 30 uh, measures uh, that have been passed in the past 20 years, and 18 of them have received 60% plus vote. So yeah. it's not like it's this high, impossible threshold. That's more than half of the 30 measures that have made it through the yes. past 20 years. A couple of points. Number one, you're right. 60% is an important guardrail that will protect against some of the abuses of this process. Yeah. But good ideas will still be able to pass at 60%. It's not going to be too hard to amend right. our state constitution. If you have a good idea and you get out and campaign for it, it will still pass. The second thing I would add is, and this is such a lie that the liberals are using on this, they, they keep saying that um, there's this different standard for um, legislatively referred versus citizen initiative. Yes. That's not true at all. This measure applies to all measures whether they've been referred by the legislature or citizen initiated and i took 
great pains to make sure that was yeah correct. i remember that because you got to remember ken this is what one of the things that motivated me to run for office was because i disagreed with a lot of the things that were being referred out of the legislature yeah you know the half cent sales tax that they've now put in our constitution i was totally against that yeah you know the the so-called ethics amendment written by former senator john woods who's now in a in federal prison you know, it was a horrible piece of legislation. Yeah, uh, issue four that that year. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was those things were referred out by the legislature, and so issue two, if we pass it in November, that will give the citizens more power to check the legislature as well. Yes, yes, it's very simple. It's fair. Uh, I know we about have thirty seconds left. You know, one thing I want to address is someone tweeted that oh he only got this because of special interest, and I remember talking to this specific. I have a good memory talking to David Ray about this before. Before he was a state rep about what Florida does this 60% and just happened he was thinking oh I was just I was thinking about that for Arkansas because we got so many things coming out of the legislature that we didn't like yeah the liberals have all sorts of conspiracy theories on Twitter about where I got this idea I'm like literally got it because the state of Florida has been doing this Governor DeSantis has it in Florida so well we're at a heartbreak with news and we'll be back shortly Good morning. We are back in the last half hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, I guess last half hour for this segment, and then we'll be back at nine for one more hour. This is Ken Yang filling in with filling in for Dave Ellswick, and then joined by State Representative David Ray. We have a uh, really special guest with us on this morning. He is a uh, former Trump uh, appointee. He is also a former state senator from the great state of Virginia. Former Attorney General from the great state. State of Virginia. He was a Republican nominee for a governor, and I know people regret not voting for him after we found out about uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe and uh, what he stood for, and uh, doing great yeoman's work on the election integrity. Uh, we have Ken Cuccinelli on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Ken. Did I hear I get to be on with David Ray? You did. Hey, good morning, Ken. The, the, the David Ray? <laughs> so for folks who don't know, when, when Ken Cuccinelli was running for Attorney General of Virginia back in 2009, which prior to 2021 was the last time Republicans won in Virginia was when Ken was on the ballot, I actually worked on his campaign. So That's how we won. <laughs> Secret <laughs> I, weapon. I, 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 I slept in and went to bed early, but David Ray dragged us over the line. <laughs> Barack, Barack Obama didn't hurt either. Yes, that's right. I'll, I'll, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on my resume. Uh, pull that, pull that quote. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've known uh, David uh, for a long time, and I remember him tell, talking about uh, how he worked for you and everything. So it was just really cool that y'all get to be on the on the show together this morning. But uh, um, Ken, I know you're doing a lot of good stuff. You're the chairman of uh, the Election Transparency Initiative. You know, t- if you don't mind, I know that's kind of what you wanted to talk to us this morning about is election transparency and just tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh and how it's uh, affecting our elections well uh election transparency initiative is a joint project of uh susan b anthony pro-life the biggest pro-life grassroots organization in america obviously celebrated with great success with the dobbs case this summer yes and the american principles project which is sort of a sister organization. They do all the pro-family, social conservative stuff other than abortion. Their big fight right now is to keep women's sports for, oh, women. (laughs) A Uh, novel concept. 
a novel concept, and uh, it is amazing all these supposed feminists who were, you know, who have historically fought for years for all the opportunities for women are now fighting for opportunities to put men in locker rooms with them while they're naked, which doesn't really seem like a real consistent approach to freeing up women and giving them opportunities. Um, but uh, that's what American Principles Project does. So they believe, and I mean, when I state a subject that bluntly, you can hear why, they believe, and I agree with them, that they can win the battles for hearts and minds on those subjects. America's been moving in a pro-life direction for decades. Yeah. Um, and even with the wokest craziness, it actually makes American Principles Project's job easier. But they believe we got to have a, a, a free and clear playing field that's fair for everybody. And that's what the Election Transparency Initiative does. Um, for the last year and a half, we fought off the attempted Washington takeover of elections, which have been would have been utterly destructive. And for anybody who falls into the trap of thinking that was just something they cooked up on the far left since 2020, that bill has been around for years. The H.R. 1, as we talked about it last year, was actually introduced in 2019 in almost the exact same form by uh, Congressman Sarbanes of Maryland and a uh, guy you've never heard of other than this bill. So it's been, it goes back a long way, just like the Soros money in elections goes back a long way, all the way back to before the 2004 election. And uh, undoubtedly, you guys have reported on and talked about Soros prosecutors. Well, before there were Soros prosecutors, there have been Soros secretaries of state where he was putting his money years ago to do things like make sure Norm Coleman um, had his election dubiously lost to Al Franken. Remember Al Franken? Yes, and um, and and so that we played defense at the federal level, and and we won effectively. And um, at the same time, we've been on offense in the states to get more transparency, more security, getting rid of things like unwatched ballot drop boxes, um, doing things like getting voter identification for o voters which even even people who oppose it, like the vice president, vice president word salad, when she's pressed on it, I remember a BET interview, black entertainment television interview, she said, well, of course, people have to be able to, you know, say who they are. Well, then why do you oppose voter ID? Right, um, right. Because it, cause it's easy to oppose when you can just call people racists who support it, yes. and you don't actually have to defend it. But I, I would say, you know, you noted some of my history, there and of course david knows it um even better but um when i was in the state senate before i was attorney general in virginia uh i relished the opportunities to debate these liberals they just and they shy away pretty quickly when they realize what's happening and what's happening is truth and uh truth is a grievous opponent of radical liberals because if you if you peel any one of their positions back, they're based on a fallacy or a lie. And um, the easiest example is abortion. You know, you ask them, when do you say life begins? And they won't answer the question. It isn't that they have a position. I don't know if they do. They won't answer the question because they can't engage in that debate. All they can do is say you're extreme for your view and so forth. So we encounter that in the election space as well. Voter ID is sort of the poster child of this. 
what's really amazing is after a year and a half and what amounts to billions of dollars of free advertising for the anti-voter ID position in mainstream media, it's just as popular as it ever was with everybody across the political and racial spectrum. And that's just because when you boil it down, most Americans have basic common sense. And, uh, you know, if you need an ID to get into an R movie, by golly, you should probably need to prove who you are to take us participate in the cornerstone of our entire constitutional republic, that being voting. No, that's entirely correct. Ken, you mentioned this Democrat effort to uh, initiate a federal takeover of elections, and I've heard you give a talk on this um, before. I want to ask you, because I know there's a lot of people who um, are frustrated, uh, continue to be frustrated with the 2020 election and and particularly how states like pennsylvania changed the rules in the middle of the game and and with with drop boxes in places like georgia and things like that you know there are some people who may be tempted to say uh hey we should just have federal rules um for this can you can you tell folks who are listening and may have that thought you know why we should be skeptical of, of a federal standard for elections and why states should be the ones to uh, to to run their elections. Yeah, so let me let me start with a perspective most people don't think about. When I was uh, the deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under Trump, um, we were working on election security for 2020. Now, what that means at the national level is guarding against and watching for Russian, Chinese, Iranian, North Korean interference, foreign interference not within the country. And um, if you think about hacking an election system, whatever it takes to do that, right now we have 51 elections for president. We don't have one, we have 51. Every state does it their own way, their own rules, their own equipment, their own everything, just like the founders expected. And if you hack one of those states, if you're Russia and you want to try to flip the outcome of the election, well, which state do you hack? And the more of them you hack, the more likely you are to be caught. Good point. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a real gamble on a foreign interloper's part uh, to, to try to risk that. On the other hand, if we have one great big national federal system all you got to do is hack the one great big federal national system. And I would point out that CISA, an agency in the Department of Homeland Security that dealt directly with election security, told us in November, um, and by the way, against instructions, that 2020 was the most secure election ever. And a month later, it became public that the Russians had been in our civil civilian government systems, not DOD, for a year and a half. You know who's responsible for that? CISA. The same agency. So to your question, David, this is federalism in action here. By keeping 51 separate elections and not having one monolithic beast, we make ourselves much more secure against foreign intervention. We still have issues here in our own country. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fact of the matter is, the Russians aren't poking their nose in and determining outcomes. And I won't say it's not possible, but it's darn close to impossible without them getting caught doing it. 
<clears throat> yeah, no, I, um, all those things that you say are right. You know, thankfully, <clears throat> you know, Representative Ray and I live in a state where we have voter ID, where we've passed a lot of good uh, voter integrity laws and whatnot. But uh, we're about to go on a break here. But one one thing that I uh, want to talk to you about <clears throat> that I know you know a lot about, and many, many of our listeners probably don't, is the Moore, Moore v. Harper case uh, in regards to independent the independent state legislature theory and how yeah. important uh, that ruling is going to be uh, from our, our uh, from our U.S. Supreme Court. So stay on the line with us. Uh, we'll be back with Ken Cuccinelli uh, right after this break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show with our last segment of this hour uh, with uh, State Representative David Ray and our special guest, Ken Cuccinelli of uh, Virginia, who is talking to us about election transparency, which I know uh, most of Dave's listeners are very interested about. You know, earlier in the show, uh, Ken, we were, David and I were talking about the constitutional amendment that David uh, uh, led to put on our ballot here to make uh, you know constitutional amendments pass by a 60% threshold here in the state of Arkansas. And the reasoning for that, you know, in regards to election transparency is we got special interests coming into Arkansas wanting jungle primaries, wanting ranked choice voting, wanting uh, quote unquote independent citizens uh, uh, commissions to, to do redistricting and you know I talked about the Moore v. Harper case which is in regards to North Carolina's congressional maps you know tell a little bit uh, to our listeners about what is at stake when it comes to our elections uh, uh, in in this case so in the Moore v. Harper case you, you really have the question um, under the Supreme Court I'm sorry, under the U.S. Constitution of the Elections Clause, as it's called, uh, Article 1, Section 4. And, um, and it's where it says that the times, place, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives, that means federal elections, must be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. So the question is, when a state legislature draws lines... Does the U.S. Constitution bar the state Supreme Court from altering those lines? Um, Because nothing in a state constitution can override, or state law, can override the U.S. Constitution. So is that the final word in state courts? That wouldn't necessarily change, necessarily, we'll see how it ends up, the authority of federal courts to ensure that what a state legislature does is consistent with the federal constitution, for instance, one person, one vote. Um, So that's the question. Um, It isn't can state legislatures do anything they want, which is how the left is sort of reporting on it. I know you're shocked by that. Um, it's, It's really a finding of our legislatures, the final actor within the state um, to to decide these questions. And by the way, there is kind of a middle ground here. So if a state legislature, consistent with the state constitution, passes laws, say they pass their own, you know, I'm going to call it the Voter Filtering uh, Process Act, and they set that up and the governor signs it, so it goes through their constitutional process for setting up a law. Does that count as the legislature deciding how this will happen? For instance, if part of it is a so-called independent redistricting commission, or can the legislature um, take control of that even without the governor? 
So that middle ground, I could easily see the court saying, hey, the legislature took their cut um, and they did it in accordance with their laws and so forth. Um, and so we're going to let that stand. And they gave courts in their state jurisdiction over deciding these things. So you, there, there is middle ground here, but you don't see the middle ground reported on ever because that's not in the interest. Uh, I don't know that I can even use the phrase reporters or journalists. There just aren't many of them left. It's, it's opinion people on each side that talk about these cases. So that's what's at stake. If, uh, if North Carolina wins, by the way, a little wrinkle, uh, back when the Democrat legislature in the 90s was fighting with the Democrat governor, did you catch that? Two Democrats um, <laughs> over various things. The state legislature gave itself the authority on its own to decide redistricting in North Carolina. Democrats did that. And the governor doesn't get to participate. Fast forward to today, you have a Democrat governor and a Republican legislature. You think the Democrats still like that idea? I don't think so. And so they're, you know, they're trying to litigate their way out of their own law they passed. Yeah, it's very very similar to Arkansas, where this was the first time Republicans had control of redistricting, and Democrats had control for the past 140-plus years, and all of a sudden we needed an independent citizens commission to do redistricting uh, here in our state because uh, Republicans were going to gerrymander our Funny districts. how that works. What's so. good for the goose is, isn't always good for the gander. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hell no. It's The gander screams like crazy when it's his turn <laughs> well when uh I don't, I, don't, I don't remember whether gander is a guy or a girl goose but <laughs> <laughs> confusing times we live yes in. yes whatever they identify well, as i, I guess I, I don't know what the gander identifies them today <laughs> <laughs> well uh when uh, do you know when the supreme court's going to uh, roll roll on this uh, ken well they're hearing arguments today typically it's about three months okay so, Best, best guess, January or February. Any any speculation will you know will it fall in our favor uh, or or what well, what they're going to do? I will say in the dissent in March um, from giving emergency relief, um, Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas all said, "Look, this is really important." They spoke to um, in what I would call favorable terms the elections clause and the place of the legislature in there. So that suggests to me they start with three votes and Kavanaugh in wrote a you know paragraph saying why he didn't think it should be changed. And he didn't speak to the elections clause. He just spoke to we're too close to the election to change these lines now. We should wait until after. Um, so I think that the state legislature side is starting with three votes. So they only need two more. Presumably those could only come from Kavanaugh, Roberts, and or Barrett. But all three of them are very much in play, very much in play. Ken, we got about two and a half minutes left. I want to ask you, this is sort of a question out of left field, but does your group do any work in the space of defending the Electoral College from this national popular vote movement, or is that something you're working on? Only, um, only we would certainly oppose national popular vote legislation, but, um, but really our focus is on reforming elections. That would be making them worse, 
So we oppose things that make them worse. Yeah. And we've actually had some success doing that in um, in some states like New Mexico, blue state. You know, you'd never think we could have success there, but we did, and at least delaying some bad stuff. But Well, then let know, me ask you a little bit. popular vote sounds so sweet, and can, you're a state legislator. Can you imagine voting for that, and then your state has to give its electoral votes to the person who lost in your state? At that point, your constituents are going to turn on you with pitchforks and torches. Yeah, well, you'd be, you'd be, be delegating day. you'd be delegating your vote to non-residents. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, being on us, uh, being on with us, uh, Ken. Uh, you can go in, to electiontransparency.org to find out more about what uh, Ken Guccinelli and what his organization is up to. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, glad you got to join us with when uh, David Ray was on. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks, Ken. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, David. Keep up the great work, man. Learn from the best. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, uh, that is uh, the end of the show for this segment. Uh, We uh, we will be back at nine to ten. David will not be with us, but I'll be joined in studio by Mayor Caleb Norris, who's the mayor of Maumelle. We'll be talking to him about things happening in Maumelle and his uh, re-election campaign, and maybe talk a little bit more about uh, 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 politics. I know I got a few text messages that wanted me to talk. Talk a little bit more about the issues, issue one, two, three, and four. And so uh, stay tuned. Be back at nine, and uh, we'll see you then. Dave Ellswick show after our, I call it the weird hour break. I don't know what other hosts call it, but uh, we're back. And um, this is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick. Um, We had a great first two hours with a lot of guests and whatnot. Um, I am the chairman of the Saline County GOP. The chair of the chairs for the Republican Party of Arkansas, and I do have my own political consulting firm, American Dream Strategies, that I run to get conservative candidates elected or re-elected. Our meeting for Saline County uh, Republican Party is Thursday, October 6th. This is Thursday at 6.30 p.m. And we'll have Judge Chris Carnahan, who's running for Supreme Court, <clears throat> speaking to us. And State De- Representative David Ray, who you heard this morning on the show, uh, will be at that meeting, too, <clears throat> speaking about uh, Issue 2. So please come, uh, bring a friend. <clears throat> it's free uh, to attend. So this hour, uh, my uh, good friend uh, <clears throat> and uh, good mayor, great mayor, uh, Mayor Caleb Norris. He is the mayor of Maumelle. Thank you for coming in the studio today. Good morning, Ken. How are you? <clears throat> A lot better. I've had three cups of coffee now, and uh, it's no longer five in the morning, so 
Way, way better. I, I, I always, I always begin the show at like six and say, I just don't know how they do this. I just everything that I got to do usually happens at night, you know, and and so I just to have to go to bed early and then be up that early. It's crazy. I'm on my second Monster Energy drink. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> I try not to drink as much as those as I used to. They got like a new one. I think it's called like Celsius or something like that. It's supposed to be like no sugar, no preservatives, no additives, that type of thing. So, all right, yeah. But anyways, uh, well, Mayor, I'm glad that you're in here. Um, uh, for those listeners that don't know you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, um, my name is Caleb Norris. Uh, I'm currently the mayor in Maumel. I've done that for four years. Prior to doing that, I uh, was the city attorney in Maumel for four years and on the council before that. Uh, and so uh, uh, it's coming up, it's hard to believe, but it's coming up on a decade now that I've been involved uh, at one form or another with what's going on in Maumel. Good, good. And so you said you're on the you're a city attorney and city councilman, right? Yes. And how how many years each did you do those I did, things? Uh, two years on the city council, so that's about half a term. And then I ran for city attorney, and I really loved that job. And for some reason, I decided to throw my hat in the ring for uh, mayor when uh, Mayor Watson was uh, not running for reelection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I it, I found out that I actually enjoy the uh, the job of being mayor better most days most days <clears throat> well and, and uh, you're also um, a veteran um, past president of Lions Club married with uh, how many how many kids I've do got you two have kids okay. Caleb uh, who's seven and Joshua who's four awesome awesome well <clears throat> of course um, um, we want to talk about you know one thing we had mayor um, Virginia Hillman Young uh, uh on the show last week when I was guest hosting. And one of the things that I really like to talk about, and I think the listeners have told me they like, is, you know, we, we have this view, we're kind of stuck in our bubble sometimes, we, you know, read the paper and whatnot. And the best thing always is to, what are the actual people saying? You know, when you're knocking on doors, uh, when you're actually talking to people, I think a lot of times you'll find that the things that we think are the most important might not be the most important when you actually are at someone's doors. And so since since you are running for a reelection, you know, what what are the people saying? What 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 is their like number one thing that's a like, hey Mayor Norris, like this is awesome or this is terrible. I, you know, what are you gonna do about this? Yeah, so the 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 one of the pitfalls that you can quickly fall into is hopping Hopping online on social media yep. uh, and listening to uh, what people are saying there, and that that's important, and you want to hear those voices and respond to those issues. But it's also it, it's not your everyday resident that's hopping online and, and airing all these issues. And so it's really when you start going door to door and you start talking to residents that you find out what the average Joe uh, uh, has to has as issues or things that are important to them. In Maumel, you know, one of the things that that we pride ourselves on is that one of our strong suits is public safety. You know, Maumel, uh, for being a small bedroom community right outside of Little Rock, yeah. uh, is still really safe. Um, and 
you know that's a testament to our police officers uh, and administration there that that have just really done a good job making sure that that the bad guys know don't don't come to Maumel, you know uh, and there, there's other communities like that but uh, it's it's really difficult in times where you're seeing crime increases in the 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 city right next to you that you're having to uh, sort of ensure that 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 doesn't cross the river for yeah. us that that doesn't enter into Maumel. so public safety is always a big thing and then you know, at the city level, it's not always the most glamorous issues. It's things like potholes or the car that drives past my house drives too fast yeah. um, uh, and speeding issues. And, and surprisingly, that is probably one of the, the things you knock on someone's door and they say, that car drove too fast. Or, my, my neighbor down the street uh, drives too fast. Or can I get a speed bump in front of my house? A surprising amount of people. I think if we put a speed bump in for everyone who wanted one, you'd just be off-roading the whole time. Up and down the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I've heard those complaints before in, uh, in Benton myself. Um, well, you mentioned law enforcement, and you know that's something that uh, other mayors and and even just uh, legislators have talked about is the importance of that because of the of the growing crime uh, here in Little Rock. And you know, I'm not. This is just me speaking. This is not the mayor speaking. But you know, I've, I've said it before. I'm on record. Mayor Scott's a terrible mayor. Uh, just he has just absolutely been a disaster. And what people don't understand, crime. You can't build over crime. You can't build nice buildings. I think that they think that the crime is just going to disappear. Homelessness is just going to disappear. All the bad things are going to disappear. It is a cancer that is bleeding. It's bleeding into the rest of Pulaski County. It's bleeding into Lone Oak County, Saline County, Faulkner County, the surrounding areas. And and pe- good mayors have to deal with it. And you know, the, you know Mayor Norris can't go into Little Rock and, and tell the mayor there what to do, but he has to protect his own city. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, he has done as mayor is he, he is constantly supporting uh, law enforcement, constantly, constantly supporting firefighters. Um, I know you've raised uh, raised salaries for your police officers, firefighters, and dispatchers. You know, what what else have you done to support your law enforcement yeah, officers? So, you know, uh, staffing issues across all departments, and this is not just with the city of Maumelle, it's with other cities, it's with private companies, you know, there's a there's a there's still a problem in the, the labor market in that that it is difficult to find uh, folks of all skill levels, from entry level laborers all the way up to, you know, highly skilled folks. Uh, with law enforcement, that's a career that maybe um, 20 years ago, you know, kids wanted to grow up and be cops. And there's still a lot of those uh, folks out there, those sheepdogs or those folks that, that really want to protect their community and, and serve in that role. There's just not as many of them uh, out there. They're, you know, it's a, it's a very tough job. They're, they're making life and death decisions uh, suddenly, right you know, right after uh, a lull where they got to relax and then they're making that. They're, there's body cameras on which we think, I think is great, but it also means that there's literally someone watching every single thing that they do at any point in time. Uh, we know that uh, over the last several years, there's been an anti-police um, 
sentiment by some folks. Thankfully, uh, and it's one of the strong suits uh, in Maumel. So if you're a law enforcement officer looking for a different agency, you know, uh, Maumel um, police officers have a tremendous support from the community. Yep. And that's really important. But what we've had to do is, you know, I mean, we've we've increased salaries. We've looked at some of our internal policies to uh, uh, amend some of the things that were maybe not as uh, favorable as the law enforcement officers would like. Um, and really, that's just because it's so difficult to um, recruit folks. On the, the equipment side, one of the things we've really worked on is trying to build into our budget process their equipment so that they're, you know, every year, every department has those things that they just absolutely need and they're reoccurring expenses, patrol vehicles, um, you know, any number of things. Uh, the more we can build in those things into their every year budget, the less they're having to fight for that <clears throat> yeah. uh, free money after the fact. Um, well, one of the things that uh, some of the mayors that, the, you know, when they came in to their jobs, they saw, you know, a lot of decrease in the force and whatnot. I'll just use, just since she was on last week, uh, Mayor Hillman Young of Sherwood had mentioned, you know, when she took over, it was, I think, at 60% uh, capacity of, you know, <clears throat> officers, and they've built that up to 80% now. And she could have it higher, she would. It's created a safer community. You know, there's always bad eggs in, 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 in any, any batch, but uh, that's, you know, we don't um, use that as a reason to not support law enforcement. You know, has that, has that been an issue in Maumelle, or, or you know, you're all full strength, you know, half strength? Yeah, staffing, strength. staffing issues are tough. You, you have a lot of young folks coming in to the career and then realizing a year or two in that it is just not for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really, we, we need a bigger pool of uh, folks interested in law enforcement. At this point, you know, cities are... are uh, giving incentives to basically recruit law enforcement officers from other agencies. Yeah. And and we're all sort of fighting over our little piece of the pie. But really, it'd, it'd be a lot better if we had a bigger pie out there uh, because staffing issues continue to be a problem. Yeah. We do know that uh, places like Maumelle uh, are able to recruit from some other agencies because, you know, Maumelle isn't uh, Little Rock. We don't. We, we we have a lot of those same issues that the law enforcement officers see in Little Rock, yeah. but just on a much smaller scale, and it's a much uh, better environment for that. And we that part of that is the community that that comes behind them. Part of it is the just the nature of living in Maumel versus uh, Little Rock, and then part of it is the the department and the policies that we're putting into place to really make it a welcoming and good place to be a law enforcement officer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. Um, <clears throat> it's good that the listeners know that, you know, the city of Maumelle has a mayor that supports law enforcement uh, and public safety and is looking to continue to support law enforcement and continue to support uh, public safety and fight crime uh, in, in in tough ways. Um, and and he, he, you know, he's running for re-elections. He's been endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police over there in Maumelle, which is a huge, huge deal for any mayor or any elected official to get. But uh, we're about to go on a break. We'll come back, talk more about what uh, Mayor Norris has done to to make uh, Maumelle a better place to live. Uh, We'll be right back on the Dave Ellswick Show after after this break. 
We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang, guest hosting for the legendary Dave Ellswick. Tomorrow, you'll be joined by Nick Horton, who will be guest hosting. He guest hosted last week, good friend of mine. And I'm sure he'll have a really uh, packed uh, uh, schedule with a lot of good guests, as he always does. Uh, but we're back here in studio with Mayor uh, Caleb Norris. Um, just kind of introducing him to uh, uh, our listeners because um, he's kind of, I know his race is nonpartisan, but uh, trust me, he's uh, our type of people and he's been doing a fantastic job as the uh, mayor of uh, Maumel. And, uh, you know, during the break, he was uh, talking to me about something interesting and regarding uh, the investment of bonds and in uh, and, and economics that they're doing in Maumel just so that. Uh, you know the city's not reaching into your uh, uh, pocketbook. Yeah, well, we you know we were kind of talking about fiscal responsibility, and I, I mentioned some uh, some bonding issue, which is the way that a city can take on debt that uh, uh, effectively extends beyond five years. You know, cities and municipalities, counties uh, have a limitation in the Arkansas Constitution that we can only. Uh, take loans out for five years. Well, that makes it very difficult to make uh, uh, capital purchases, right? Like if if, if a, a private company were to build a building um, and need to take on debt for that, that, that they wouldn't have to be forced or confined to a five-year um, time frame. So that's where bonds come in handy. One of the things that um, I was thinking about as I was driving over here is a lot of the incentives for elective officials are very short-term, right? Like, uh, as, as a mayor of Maumel, if I was looking out for what was in my personal best interest, I want results that can be achieved, measured, and noticed by the public within four years. Yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to you know, wise and prudent uh, long-term planning for cities. So one of the things that I've been particularly proud about over the you know my first term as mayor, we had we had a um, some bond debt, uh, and uh, you know we were we were hearing that rates were good. It was a good time to refinance. Oh, and by the way, if we refinance, we can add on more debt, make more purchases, and still keep our payments the same. You know, it's that that look at the payments, look at how much you're paying. Uh, and and I was kind of ended up getting sold on the idea of refinancing. But I thought to myself, what happens if we refinance? We take some money that we have sitting in the general fund. We pay down portions of that principal, uh, and then we increase our annual payments. Right? Uh, we don't buy anything new with it. We just make a decision that 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 pays off that bond debt earlier. Ended up saving, I want to say, about one point one five million dollars net present value. Wow. Um, uh, just for that decision. And so whoever's mayor, and I think five years, whoever is mayor in five years will be the one who reaps the benefit of that because at that point in time, we will have paid off the debt and have more you know, money there. So I wish there was a way that these sort of issues could be brought to the table and really talked about and discussed. Um, 
in, 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 I guess that's what we're doing right well, now. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to hear, and, and I think more people need to know that there are mayors out there, especially in, in these growing communities. They're not really, we call them towns, but they're not really towns compared to some of the smaller rural areas. Um, but uh, thinking of innovative ways to not raise taxes, to make sure we pay off, the city pays off debt from previous mayors, and make sure that, uh, you know, economic growth, a lot of times, uh, many times, involves investment and investing our money wisely so we don't go into further debt or we pay it off uh, early. You know, I think um, Benton's a good example. Or, you know, we have the Benton Event Center and, uh, uh, you know, we have the AMP tax, and but we, we've, you know, the the event center has paid for itself, you know, fivefold, tenfold at this point where it's it's all good. Um, and I mentioned AMP tax, but uh, we should have discontinued our AMP tax after we had the event center built, but we did it. <laughs> we extended it for another 20 years. Um, but that's, that's the problem with taxes is they become regressive and uh, people don't want to get rid of them. But I digress on that point. Um, but, you know, economic growth is, is super important in this for the city of Maumelle. I know recently you had a tractor supply come and uh, break ground for a distribution center, right? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're building a, a one million square foot uh, distribution facility uh, in Maumelle. And that's something we've been particularly proud of. It has taken uh, years to uh, get to that point. Uh, one, of the, one of the most frustrating things that I've found in local government, and I'm sure this is the case with all government, and with you know uh, uh, probably a lot of private industry too, is how long it takes to uh, effectuate change. And I mean, we were working with Tractor Supply for two years before mm-hmm. we could even mention the name Tractor Supply uh, to get them out there. But I think that they chose, and one of the things they've said is they chose Momel because. Um, uh, because of the community w- that we have, the land, uh, a lot of folks don't know that Maumelle has an industrial park, yeah. and that's just the way we want it to be, so that you can live in Maumelle, which, if you drive through, is just a beautiful community, and oftentimes you don't realize that there is this industrial park tucked away in the back uh, back there, but we're happy to have them. We're, we're uh, especially thrilled and proud of the fact that um, uh, they said, I think that the, the, this particular group has eight distribution centers that they've yeah. worked and built. I'm not sure if that's company-wide or just this group that we're working with. Uh, and they said that of those eight places, the process of doing business in Maumelle, the permits, the the approvals, the site plans was better in Maumelle, more efficient, streamlined the process for them, and that uh, we really were working to get them there as yeah. opposed to throwing these things up as roadblocks. Yeah. Like, here's what if you want to come here, here's what you're going yeah, to have to do. Because, because of the great mayor uh, of the city of Maumelle. That's why it was so easy for <laughs> no, them to, no, no, to come. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get credit for that. You know, um, if someone were to ask me what I'm most proud of in my first term, it was really finding the right people and working on the culture. Right? Well, I mean, um, that, that, that's what good leaders do. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the economic development in the city and whatnot. We're about to go on a heartbreak uh, with news. We have Mayor Caleb Norris here, city of Maumelle, and running for re-election on the Dave Ellswick Show. And we'll be right back shortly, right after this break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show at the bottom of the hour. This is Ken Yang, joined in studio by Maumelle Mayor Caleb Norris. 
we were talking about economic development, which we all know, you know, cities often uh, vie for big businesses to come. That's how you bring in jobs. That's how you bring in uh, 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 families. Uh, and at the same time, when you bring in families, you can't just have, uh, you know, just these big uh, uh, distribution centers, these big uh, facilities without having family-friendly uh, places so that the quality of life is not only good for the workers, but good for just the nuclear family in general. But we'll get into more of that here in a little bit. We're sticking on the economic development side. <clears throat> we were talking about tractor supply and you know, just how easy it, they, they came because of how easy it was to come uh, to to the city of Maumelle. There's a little less red tape. And I'm just going to go on. And you can you can kind of uh, add, add to this. Uh, Amazon opened up a distribution center in the city of Maumelle. Uh, Kimberly Clark, which is already there, expanded its facility along with um, uh, uh, Dillard's, PepsiCo, uh, Pepsi Company, is it Molex? Is that, is yep, that yep. Molex, uh, all expanded their facilities uh, in the city of Maumelle. So not only are you all retaining uh, your businesses, uh, which is important, but you are also attracting yeah. new businesses. Yeah, one of the interesting things, I was talking to uh, someone when I was going door-to-door recently, and I was mentioning economic development in that context. And uh, there was concern expressed to me about, well, that's great that those businesses are there, but how, what, how does that affect me as a resident here? If, I, if I'm not working there, why is it beneficial to the city to have those sort of businesses in place? One of the things we always uh, hear and is really common in communities like Maumelle, uh is we want more restaurants or we want more retail opportunities. Mm-hmm. We want more places to shop. We want more things to do. Well, when businesses are looking at locating in a particular place, they want to make sure that there's sufficient number of customers there. Now, Maumelle being a bedroom community, most of most of the folks that uh, live in Maumelle and work don't work in Maumelle. They work in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Conway. They work all over the place. But that means they're leaving during the middle of the day to go elsewhere. Well, your restaurants want to serve lunch your you know your retail establishments want folks to purchase things during the day also so it, it's symbiotic and that the you know when we get these big industries uh, uh, to come in that that provides workers that are out shopping at our local restaurants they're purchasing stuff at the grocery store they're doing these sort of things which make it which which make it so that more businesses want to come in there and so it's 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 a big game of what came first, the chicken or the egg? Are you going to get the, the the type of shopping and economic development like that first, or or do you need to get the people there first? Yeah, yeah, and I think you know a lot of it works in tandem, which uh, I think is important. Um, oh my goodness, I'm about to say this on air, Bryant. Has done a really, since I'm from Benton, but Bryant has done a really good job in expanding uh, their economic development, but also expanding uh, the things that are good, important for the families to be to be there, building uh, uh, communities, homes, uh, and then in in regard to that. And pivoting into to to Maumelle, you know, building it's, it's, it sounds little, but it's really not building the uh, splash pads. Um, for the families, so families can take their kids uh, somewhere. I think y'all have something. Uh, uh, if I remember reading, uh, all inclusive uh, playground that's uh, that y'all secured funded funding for. 
Uh, y'all have a planning for a city food truck, a farmer's market. One of the things that we did in Benton not too long ago is we, we create a space for a farmer's market on Saturday mornings. It's been super, super successful. You can yeah. have, like, local live bands, you know, every now and then. Yeah. Um, when you were talking earlier about um, using money to invest in things, you mentioned the, the Benton Event Center that has paid for itself yeah. over and over. You know, uh, c- cities got a lot of money during COVID, and we've really focused on spending those monies on things that um, have a return on that investment, yep. right? And so we're in the planning stages for a food truck park and farmer's market pavilion. People say, well, the farmer's market's once a week. Well, you can have craft fairs. You can have family right. picnics. There's a lot of things you can do that mm-hmm. draw people into the community that make sure that mom residents have something to do. Yeah. And that if they are going out and shopping in the community, they're spending their money in mom and not having to leave to go elsewhere. So we've really focused on that. Where we, uh, I just presented to the city council last night some preliminary plans for a seven-court pickleball complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you're into pickleball, but it is a growing uh, uh um, I don't understand this fascin- all of a sudden fascination with pickleball. I remember playing pickleball in PE in high school, and I, I'm a tennis player. So oh, you know, so I, I played tennis in high school. I played tennis. I played collegiate tennis, and so I never understood this fascination with pickleball. And then I didn't hear about pickleball for I don't know how long until like around COVID. And then they're putting pickleball courts over there at Tyndall Park and Benton and all this thing in pickleball. And I'm like, isn't that like an old person sport? Like, no, well, like old people, and and like it's just become like this huge thing. Well, it is. First of all. Uh, uh, I hope to one day be an old person, and I hope that my government uh, is providing uh, these sort of opportunities. Then, so, so uh, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it's not just seniors that we're seeing play anymore. You know, you're seeing it's it's a sport that you can get you know grandma and grandpa to go out with the, their grandkids in play. You know, it equalizes a lot of these mm. um, physical differences. The court's smaller. You know, I am not the pickleball expert, but here yeah. I am trying to sell it a little bit. You know, so so you see grandparents playing with grandkids. You see um, uh, no, it's not just for seniors, though Though it is a great activity for seniors because they, there's not a whole lot of high-impact running. Tennis is great, but, you know, at some point your knees and your back and the sprinting and stopping. Yes, my hip your and hip. my lower back hurts all the time. Exactly. It sounds like you are a prime candidate uh, to uh. hop into the pickleball. Now, I've never played it, so I'm, I'm really just talking out the side of my mouth here. <laughs> but, but it's something that we've looked at because the number of residents that are coming yeah. forward saying it. You get a seven-court complex, and they're, they're all over the place. You can start ho- hosting local uh, tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great for the businesses in the area. We know if there's a, uh, a baseball tournament or a softball tournament yeah. in town, that's right. boy, our restaurants will say that's their best time. That's right. And, it, and, and so it's trying to find ways that you can use money that not only improve the quality of life for the people that live in Maumelle, but also... It, improve businesses in the area. It's really symbiotic. As yeah. you really kind of get into economic development and community development, you realize how they really need to go hand in hand to have a vibrant yeah. community. When y'all have, uh, you know, a have y'all completed or are y'all in the process of yard building even senior living centers, too? Yeah, those aren't – first of all, I think we have one of the best – um, senior centers in the state. We have people who move to Maumelle because of our um, senior center, which is 
called Center on the Lake. Mm. Beautiful facility, beautiful programming. We know um, um, that this provides a valuable service for uh, senior residents. What we're also seeing is, so if, if you kind of look at who's moving to Maumelle, it's everyone except maybe your 20-somethings. Yeah. So you have faint people wanting to come to Maumelle because it's safe and a great place to raise your kids. You know, it's a great community. My kids roam the streets, and I say be home by the street when the street lights are on. That's what I remember doing as a kid. And so it's so nice to know that I live in a community where my son can do that. And I'd say, just come back eventually. You're on this cul-de-sac. I know the people here. You're safe to go play. But we're also seeing uh, retirees come and move to Maumelle. You know, we have two beautiful golf courses uh, and uh, what we're also seeing with seniors and, and really the market itself is, is there's a little bit of a move away from single family, big house, big yard, residential to folks wanting smaller yards because they don't want to have to mow or maintain. You know, they're looking for high quality, but not necessarily large and high maintenance. So, so we do have uh, two senior uh, living facilities coming in, as well as a senior living community, which is an entire subdivision being built around this concept of, uh, of seniors being able to live together. Uh, I think there's a pickleball court plan to go in there. Uh, but it's just it's designed and built fundamentally and through its infrastructure and its layout yeah. to, to um, target this group and, and provide the amenities that they want. Yeah, and it goes back to that, that family thread, not only the, we were talking about the nuclear family, but then you pivoted, you know, then having the, the, the grandparents uh, still within the community close by. And, I, you know, and I think that's 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 really important uh, when you talk about the expansion or uh, the sustainability of, of a small town or a bedroom community like, like, like Maumelle. Yeah, I think Central Arkansas needs to do a better job also targeting your... I call them 20-somethings, your recent college grads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at northwest Arkansas, where, where, are, where are young people going? Mm-hmm. Where, where are the high-skilled jobs where they want to live? You know, are, are, do they want to yeah. live here in central Arkansas? I think so. I think it's a great place. But uh, it's really incumbent upon cities and our local governments to make sure that we are with, with public – uh, facilities, public infrastructure, building them in a way that that is conducive to helping create the environment that people want to live. Take, yeah. Go look at Northwest Arkansas. You know they've got the Razorback um, Greenway. Uh, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of things that that the the Walton family and industries are having to do up there because they're trying to recruit high quality talent to come to the area, and they're and they're pulling from. New York, they're pulling from Austin, they're pulling from all across the country and saying, hey, we, you, you have this high skill gap, and we know that just a salary isn't what is yeah. recruiting and retaining these folks these well, days. Well, having stuff to do is important, and so not only do you have stuff to do for seniors and middle-aged whatever, but you need to have stuff to do for the 20-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds, too. You go to Northwest Arkansas, it's a comparable to a smaller-scale version of, like, a, uh, Austin, Texas, or Dallas, Texas, or or just those communities where there's a lot to do for, for the young younger folks. Uh, um, <clears throat> 
coffee bars that are also wine bars that have live music on the weekends. So you go there during the week to do your work or whatever it is and drink coffee. On the weekends, you go there to have a glass of wine or or a local brewery or whatnot. So neat stuff like that. Something that you know, my friend and I, who's doing a lot of um, <clears throat> development over there in Faulkner County, young young guy, younger than both of us, who often talk, who's traveled a lot, often talks about what can we do to revitalize Conway, not just have restaurants and shops, but actually have things that, as you mentioned, that attract younger people to come. Now, there's, you know, I will be a little more partisan. There are some younger, woke people that I don't really want in my, you know, permeating my community, because I think that the wokeness is what, so the listeners of the show will understand this, is that we want all those things, but sometimes what comes with that is that, that wokeness. Um, that we're seeing uh, in the Fayetteville, you know, that, that we see the nice things, but we see the wokeness. But we'll talk. We'll get a little bit more into the political realm in our last uh, segment. Talk about uh, the mayor's uh, race and whatnot, and get a little more political. And we we'll return on the Dave Ellswick Show. We are back at the last segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. We got about seven, eight minutes left. Uh, so we're going to talk. So we we're talking about the wokeness of certain young people coming into these communities that we see uh, that I just don't quite uh, uh, prefer. Uh, and sorry for the listeners. You know, I, uh, all these bike trails, uh, just just stop it. Stop it with these bike trails. Just stop it, stop it, stop it. And even worse, stop it with these bike trails that are being paid with my taxpayer dollars. I don't want to pay for bike trails. I don't want to ride a bike. And then guess what? The bike whatever that comes to Arkansas once a year, whoop-de-freaking-do. Anyways, that's my tangent. That has nothing to do with the mayor. I'm so tired. They said they're going to build this bike trail from Hot Springs, from Garland County, there's Saline County, all the way to Pulaski County. This is right before COVID. I don't think they have even started. It's supposed to quality a lot. Ain't no one going to ride their bike from Hot Springs, Arkansas, to Little Rock, Arkansas. Especially not now, if because once you get to Little Rock, Arkansas, you're liable to be kicked off your bike. Someone may steal it and then stab you. Um, but anyways, I digress. Mayor Norris is running for uh, re-election in the city of Maumelle. In my opinion, he's done a great job. But uh, you hear it from uh, himself. Why should people... Uh, it, so he does have an opponent. Um, his opponent is... A flaming liberal, and that's just that's coming from me. Um, my opinion, he's a flaming liberal. Uh, the, the listeners, and I typically don't like to mention opponents' names. I won't mention it now because his old name, uh, Jody Mahoney, old Democrat name. His father was a Democrat senator, state rep for thirty something years. They are Democrat to the Democrat to the Democrat to the Democrat. And this is what I said earlier with State Representative David Ray. We were talking about this earlier this morning. Liberals have gone into hiding in these nonpartisan races. They know they can't win in partisan races, so they go, oh, I'm nonpartisan. It has nothing to do with partisan, and that's where they've gone into hiding. And, and so he's running against a, a flaming, woke lib who's, who has deep, deep roots in the Democrat Party. And so Mayor Norris is running for re-election. You know, we talked about all those great things that you've done, but you know, why, why, should, why should people uh, vote to re-elect you for another four-year term? 
Oh, gosh, the elevator speech. I've got three or four of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, prob- probably the most important reason, this isn't the, the most attractive reason, is in a city like Maumelle, being a mayor is a job that requires somebody to, that understands how things run. Mm-hmm. You get someone in that seat who doesn't understand what the city's doing or how to get it done, and you're in trouble. It's like cutting off the it, – it's a working position. It's like cutting off the head and then expecting everything to run smoothly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've been doing this now for a decade, and I, I kind of cringe sometimes when I say that because it seems like a long time. Yeah. But I think it's important that whoever has that seat um, understands what – an ordinance is understands what the planning commission is they understand how the government operates yeah. i don't get to hire a whole group of of uh consultants and advisors to follow me around all day and tell me how things get done i need to be the not only know how to do it but i need to be able to lead that uh so that again that's not the most attractive sound bitey statement but it's probably the most fundamentally important Next, I think that I, I, I've done a great job. We've built a great team. We've made a lot of progress, and we've managed to do this through through COVID, through flooding, through ice storms. It has been a rough term when it comes to things being thrown, and I think we've not only maintained but continued to improve the quality of life, the business environment, the way that we communicate with residents, the way that we strategically plan to um, um, be more efficient. It's easy for folks to say, I'm going to be fiscally responsible with yeah. your taxpayer dollars. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to buy a, a, a cheaper gadget that's going to break quicker? We all know that cheaper isn't necessarily better. So what is the strategy for over the long term, how you're going to better the community? I think right. we've done a great job at that, and I'm asking for four more years <clears throat> to continue working on it. Yeah, you can go, you know, he's on uh, Facebook at reelect Caleb Norris, Mom L. Mayor, or you can just search Caleb Norris the number four uh, Mamel um, and find out more about uh, the mayor. I hope this has been helpful helpful uh, to folks and those are all good reasons. Not only are those re- good reasons to reelect you in my opinion uh, but <clears throat> what we just all talked about, the improved uh, uh, infrastructure at the beginning, we are talking about potholes and whatnot, the quality of life, retaining attracting businesses and during this time I think one of the most important things is uh, uh, supporting our law enforcement officers Absolutely. Supporting our firefighters, a mayor who's uh, endorsed by the Fraternal uh, Order of Police, which is just so so important, especially when when you're sur- when you are surrounding when you are uh, around a city like Little Rock uh, that is just rampant with crime, and a mayor who seemingly does not care and does not want to do anything about it, and uh, you got to you got to protect you have you got to protect your people, and you got people like Mayor Caleb Norris, Mayor Virginia Hillman Young, uh, uh, other mayors uh, across uh, Pulaski County that are doing their job and protecting their communities because that's that's the only thing that y'all can do. Thank you so much for having me on, Ken. I yeah, really appreciate no, I, it and had fun. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I, I, I thought he was just going to call in, but he came in studio, which is always just more fun when the person's actually in studio and and, and uh, not not just on the phone. So, as I mentioned, that's Mayor Caleb Norris. You go on Facebook, find find Reelect Caleb Norris, Maumel Mayor. Uh, if you want to uh, support him, uh, you can message him there. He's very uh, easily uh 
easily accessible. I think we got what 60, 60 seconds. We got sixty seconds. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, no. So uh, uh, this is a trick I, I learned from Tim Griffin. Is he always gave out his cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, you can get me on Facebook. You can get me through email. It's always easiest to call me uh, and leave a voicemail or send me a text. I get lots of texts from people I don't know, uh, and my cell phone number is five zero one six nine seven one three two three. 501-697-1323. There you go. The mayor that's that accessible. Uh, yes, very good Tim Griffin trick. I've done that, too. And uh, um, oh, there might be days I regret it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, it, is, it is what it is. Well, this is Ken Yang, once again, filling in for the legendary uh, Dave Ellswick. Uh, you have Nick Horton guest hosting uh, tomorrow. So that should be a show that you should uh, uh, listen into. He's a good friend of mine, great conservative, and everyone have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.